Happy New Year! Ready to make it the most audacious yet? Following a wonderfully festive break, we're feeling recharged and we're back for another episode of the Inspiring Women in CX podcast, a series usually dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. This series, we're putting some of our awesome allies in the hot seat too. No longer rehashing the same old conversations, in Series 7, you can expect us to challenge the status quo on CX topics, provocative discourse, and of course, plenty of healthy debate. I'll be your host, Claire Muscat, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to one of our longest standing allies, and you might recognize him. He's a certified customer experience professional, global CX specialist, and has spent over 25 years in business improvement. To date, he's supported organizations and professionals in 59 countries to better understand how to operationalize the science of CX. A renowned keynote speaker and award host, let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. It is, of course, Mr. Ian Golding. Hi, Ian. Hello, Claire. (laughs) So lovely to have you on the Inspiring Women in CX podcast as one of our first allies to appear um, on this show. So we're breaking history, Ian. How do you feel about that? (laughs) As always, I am honoured, Claire, delighted, as I was to be one of only two allies um Mm -hmm. at the conference in october as well um i'm just delighted that i can continue to support what you're doing and vice versa as always well we're absolutely gloriously grateful that you're here with us today and everything that you've been doing for women in cx community and i'm sure we're going to go into lots of um more detail about that uh on the show today but also, hello, listeners. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're excited for this episode of the podcast and the fact that we're now introducing even greater gender diversity <laughs> into Women in CX with this podcast episode. So I thought, Ian, um, we go back quite a long way, don't we, you and I? We do. We do. Um... To a, a cafe <laughs> very near to the British Museum, I think it was. It was. Is that, is that right? It was near the British Museum. It was. It, it was a Pret a Manger, in fact. Was it Pret a Manger? It was I don't. I don't remember those specifics. <laughs> but then my my aging brain forgets details like that. Yeah. Oh, and when, when was it? It's twenty eighteen, I think. Was it really? Blimey. Yeah, a couple of years pre pandemic. Yes. Um. Do you remember why we first met? I remember you. I can't remember specifically how you contacted me, but I think you. I think you'll have to remind me if I'm wrong, but you reached out to me because you were looking to develop your independent um, company that you created and you were very bold, I think, because I think it does take courage to reach out to others to just ask for guidance and advice and, and various other things. And as you know, if anyone asks me for help, I will do my very best to give them the the benefit of my my experience. I was going to say wisdom, but I'm not sure it's always wisdom. But um, oh, my realize. my own experience is to to see if I can help you to to forge the right path for you. So I think that's that's how it all started. It was. So I had recently left Sainsbury's. I made the decision I was going to start my own agency, or actually initially just to go solopreneur freelance. And I so often talk about you on this podcast and within the community because I reached out to so many people to ask for help, all the CX superstars and the influencers um, that I'd seen out there. And um, you were the, one of the only ones to actually come back and say, yeah, I'd be happy to help you. Mm. And interestingly, at the time, that none of the women I'd reached out to said yes at all. They just oh, thought, interesting. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, incoming competition. No, thanks. Um, but this became one of the reasons why I wanted to start Women in CX because um, of that experience of having that help from you that initial time. I was like, we need more women doing this. Um, and, and at the time, there weren't really that many women, especially not in the UK. The, the people I'd reached out to were in the US, admittedly, yeah, but definitely yeah. like I was breaking into the CX in influence the space as one of the only women um from the uk so i I find it fascinating that the that there is and it's still to this day actually because i experienced it myself 
that word competition. You know, it, it, I find it sometimes frustrating, sometimes irritating that a very small community, because CX is a very small global community in relative terms, that people see each other as competition. You know, the, the world is a big place. There's a lot going on. Plenty here. to go around. And, you know, <laughs> to me, I've always lived through collaboration. And so that's why I think if someone reaches out to me and says, can you can you guide me? If it's like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, it, it just makes sense to be able to, to give people the benefit of the things you've gone through. Um, and that's why it wouldn't have even crossed my mind not to meet with you, Claire. And as this conversation today demonstrates, I'm so pleased I did because it was the start of a long never-ending relationship as far as I'm concerned Aww. um but so true and that's why collaboration became one of our core values and I'm so proud to see how many women in the UK are now visible yes that's true I mean it has changed remarkably yeah. um and, and in all forms not not just independent consultants but people within different organizations different sectors um uh, I, and and actually I, i've said to you before that i would say almost exclusively some of the best people i've ever worked with you have said this to me before ha, have been women <laughs> the, the best bosses i've ever had have been women um and whether or not that's coincidental you know who knows um but i i think genuinely when i look back in my career uh, i um, have had so much pleasure learning from and working with women um, as well as men but um, as I say some of the best people I've worked with have been women yeah me too <laughs> um, why do you think that is then like, I know at conference we were talking about women typically have more empathy relationship building interest longer term uh viewpoints like not I mean, every woman obviously but <laughs> that's right and and I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or anything like that but I think typically it is a generalization women do have a, a greater natural ability to empathize with others maybe that's related to motherhood now I know obviously not every woman is no, a mother. Um, <laughs> you know but whether it's a uh, uh, an animal mum you know so obviously your babies are your horses Claire um and, you know, and don't forget my cat <laughs> you know but I, I, I think women tend to have that natural nurturing mm. instinct that not all men have you're right to say obviously there are lots of women that don't um yeah. but I think in general women do tend to to have that naturally within them mm. uh, I spoke to someone yesterday and and said had a it's not a new question but can you teach people to be empathetic or is it something that's within you and i think for for most it's something that's within you um you can educate people as to what empathy is but um caring about other people is it, it's not just important for customer experience it's important in life and as we can see right now with the horribly troubled world we live in so many humans forget about the importance of caring for others mm. um and that's why if we can be involved in communities where there is a an overwhelming majority who want to care for others um whether that be supporting them working with them whatever it looks like then i am a hundred percent behind it um, we need to bring humanity back into what we do. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> um, and then our relationship. So obviously I've done started my business, my, my original one, Seam Experience. Um, experienced quite a lot of success quite quickly. Um, started to move, I guess, in the same orbit then, didn't we? Of like speaking yes. events and um being asked to go onto panels together and being keynotes at the same events and stuff, which was like super exciting. Um, but then we had the pandemic, didn't we? And I think that's probably when we got closer, wasn't it? Because you basically had a pandemic CX community that you put together yes. for us to support one another. 
Um, don't you want to reflect a little bit on yeah, those times? It, you know, it, it, it all feels a bit surreal now when you when you look back to it. But um, I, I think, again, my, my natural instinct when the pandemic hit was we need to look after each other. Because for many who were operating independently, that this was it was almost like Armageddon. You know, we went from being incredibly busy to suddenly nothing. Everything stopped overnight. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I'd been operating for a long time by then. So it, to a degree, my, my network was much bigger than many. Um, added to the fact that I, I was always multinational. So bizarrely, even though we went into a pandemic, while certain things stopped for me, other things actually increased. So um, but but it was abundantly clear to me that this was not the case for most people. So mm -hmm. I thought it would just make sense to just just let's bring everyone together so people know they're not alone. You know, one of the things you and I talked about on many occasions is how being in the world of CX is often very lonely, mm -hmm. you know, either on the inside of an organization because you're, you're trying to change the mindset of people who don't want their mindsets changed or as an independent you know as a solopreneur i mean that the clue is in the name you know yeah. you're solo it's just you. yeah so you know suddenly to go from lots of stuff to nothing people needed to know they weren't alone so we actually started a community that we ended up calling cx cares yeah um, <laughs> It was truly international. We had people mm. from Brazil and Russia and um, the Far East, all over the place. And once a week to start with, we would meet mm. in a call and just just support each other. That newfangled um, Zoom thing that we were just learning how to use at the time. <laughs> although that always made me laugh that the media said this new Zoom thing that we'd been using for years. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, it felt new but... to me. I definitely <laughs> didn't used to have meetings on Zoom. It was always in person or like on the phone. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. But it was, I, I don't know, that that time was so important, I think, to mm. just ensure that people knew they weren't alone and that we could support each other. And if we could find a way of generating income for each other, then that's what we would do. Obviously, for some, that was much harder than others. And I, I know, you, I'm sure you don't mind me saying that for you, it was tough. I mean, a really oh. tough period. Yeah. Yeah, I'd been in, I'd been out less than two years and everything was going brilliantly. But where I'd chosen to build my business was all on the other side of the world because yeah. I liked traveling as a digital nomad. So my clients That's were in like right. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Um, yeah, and a lot and everything that I did was in person. It was workshops, yeah. keynotes, you know, like um yeah, it, it depended it was... very much on me being physically present. That's um, right. At and, the time, and it, and it just dried up overnight. And I had nothing. Like I went from everything to nothing. A year's and was, plan, and it was bizarre. And I think that's why I was I, definitely one of the people that you set that up for, for sure. <laughs> well, I wanted, I wanted to do what what I could, you know. And if mm -hmm. I could have, if I could have given money to people, I would have done. But you know, it was. It, we had to try and find a way of keeping ourselves motivated to to keep going, um, and. You know, th th this for me is what makes our global CX community, uh, whatever gender we tend to be, I think the community is so important because there are many people like us who want to support and help each other. There are equally as many who don't. But mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, our, our, the relationships we developed during 2020 and 2021 you know that that those relationships last forever um and i i think it was such a, a powerful time uh, and i'm delighted that we were able to keep people going however hard it may have been at the time yeah i would just come with my little updates wouldn't i over those calls and i had this idea i think i'm going to start a podcast i think i'm going to call it women in cx i've got nothing else to do i think i'm going to try and amplify the voices of women 
Isn't and it I funny can't... to think that women in CX didn't exist? Didn't exist. Didn't exist at the beginning of all that. It didn't. And I and I'd like come and give my little updates each week, and each week it'd be something more. And by the end, it was like, right, I'm going to be launching a membership community. Um, but yeah, and, I, and I, I did find history. the rest uh, is a much great that it's great strength, now coming it? back. You know, mm-hmm. all of the stuff that disappeared. You know, it, it, the, the fact that you're now starting the consulting piece for women in CX, you know, it, it, it is brilliant that it never went away. You know, I think that's what we almost need to tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. We think it's gone, but it, it's just it's evolved. Pause. It's just a pause, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, it, it, sometimes you need someone that you can rant at, you, that mm-hmm. someone that will just listen, that gives you that strength to to find a way of moving forward and if i was just a tiny bit of that for you claire then I, i'm delighted you're a big bit of that because you also <laughs> would meet up with me just one-to-one and let me talk about like the reality of what i was experiencing so i was living by myself wasn't i as well i wasn't around anybody yeah, yeah. and we'd have like offline catch-ups as well but yes. i think um i know we talk a lot about like safe space community don't we and that women in cx definitely stands for that and i definitely got to experience that through through you and your support and i'm just so so proud that i managed to create an international community that does that and it's exactly focus is about kindness and support it's funny in in business definitely inspired me (laughs) well in business i think it whether it's public sector or private sector that feeling of being safe you know having a safe space i i I think many employees don't have that Mm. many people don't feel that they're in an environment like that that they've got people that they can reach out to and talk to like we did um and for me that's that's a problem and so the fact that you're you've say you're creating you've created a new community that is is underpinned by that that people can come together and talk about anything you know they they can genuinely wear their heart on their sleeve and not be judged um but actually be guided and supported it, it is wonderful because that the world is only going to get more complex and more difficult and so i think what you are are driving and, and continuing to evolve becomes ever more important going forward that's so kind of you to say and thank you and now for a quick word from one of our sponsors we are proud to be supported by Kantar the world's leading evidence-based insight and consulting company Kantar CX helps clients define customer and employee experience strategies better understand their customers via measurement and in turn improve business outcomes driving true commercial ROI to find out more about Kantar CX practice, please visit the sponsor links on the homepage of womenincx.community. Now back to the episode. I suspect maybe a bit of a cheeky question, but I know you're involved in every single CX community <laughs> um, that exists. <laughs> is is there anything that particularly stands out for women in CX um, that's different? So is it that I know. Of most communities so I'm not actively involved in all of them but I know of most of them and my my view on all of these global communities is that they need to exist for the right reason Mm -hmm. so the motivation behind them is important Um, everyone knows that I have been involved with the CXPA from the very beginning Um, the reason why I was involved with the CXPA because it was a not-for-profit association representing people like us that do what we do. And for me, that was a no-brainer. It wasn't commercially generating. Its its motivation was all about us. Now, do I think that that organisation is doing a good job is a different matter. Because is it still representing people like us? I, I'm not so sure. Um, there are other organizations around the world who i am not completely convinced that their motivation is about people like us i think their motivation fundamentally is about making money it's not about doing the right thing for its members and that that bothers me because we need somewhere that we can get the right support 
the right exposure, the right um, level of um, visibility for what we do, because customer experience, employee experience, the human experience is still so vague for many organizations that, that there is still a huge amount more that's needed to be done that we can't do as individuals. We need the backing of things with credibility. Um, so right now, I think the legacy organizations, if I can call them that, because they're, they're still not that old, I think they are missing what needs to happen. I don't think they are doing a great job of it. Um, women in CX being the, the new kid on the block, so to speak. I suppose it, There are newer organisations now, but still a relatively new kid on the block. I think your motivation is very clear for people to see. Um, however, I think there is still unfortunately a misunderstanding as to what women in cx is all about again you and Tell i me in, more. well <laughs> in the spirit of our you know you, you mentioned my brutal and honest conversations yeah. which which are not it's not a podcast I, I just what i wanted was to have conversations like this with you yeah, that others could listen to and let's stop prancing around around this subject let's just say it as it is and a lot of people have said to me not on those conversations but outside what do you need women in cx for now why do they need that um now 99 times out of 100 it's a man that says that not a man. Um, so i just have to be very clear and you know i i've always found it difficult to respond you know mm. what, what's the right response to that question if I'm being totally honest with you. So how do I how do I answer that? And actually, I, I needed to immerse myself into the conference in mm. October to, to be able to answer the question. Okay. Because I'm not a woman. <laughs> okay, quite clearly, just, you know, getting it out there. <laughs> I'm not a woman. So can I claim to know what it's like to be a woman in CX? No, I don't know. Um, do I know what it's like to be a woman in business? No. Um, I, I know what it's like to be a white heterosexual man in business, mm -hmm. you know, which in the UK means that most of the time right. it, it's relatively mm -hmm. OK for someone like me. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't overthink it. I don't I don't necessarily stop and reflect. I'm lucky to be mm -hmm. a white heterosexual man, but I am now. Immersing Let's, myself yeah. <laughs> into that room in London a few weeks ago, it, it was very eye-opening for me because I, I said to you before we did this call that I didn't see a room of women. Now, I didn't mean that to be a derogatory comment, but I, I just saw a room of people, mm -hmm. you know, because ironically, I, I, I don't when I look at someone, I don't see colour, gender, um, religion. You know, we're just all people. But now some might call me naive in saying that, but we are just all people. Um, but I was in a room full of women and I was a one of, a, well, for only a short part of the day, one of only two men in a room full of women. And what became abundantly clear to me as the day went on is how refreshing it was and i use the word refreshing intentionally to see a group of people who just happened to be women mm -hmm. talking so openly and honestly really exposing vulnerability um you know almost honestly to the point that i started to ask myself would they would I be in an environment with so much natural authenticity if that room was mixed gender? And I never thought I would think that because I didn't have any preconceived view of how I would feel about it. But I, I saw a room full of people who felt safe to say what they wanted to say without any fear of judgment or any sense that people would ridicule them or look at them with a funny expression on their face and 
it, it made me realize that actually it's for people to have an environment where they feel able to be themselves is critical and i maybe had never really appreciated that maybe women in business women in organizations can't always truly be themselves i, I don't know if what i'm saying makes any sense to you but but this is just sort of what was going through my mind it do, it does and that's your perspective on the world right and how you experienced what it was like to be in a room full of women and in your experience it didn't mean that you saw gender or color or yes. anything else but i guess not to challenge you personally because i know your intentions are nothing but pure but it tends to be people who are white men who are straight who are non-disabled that don't see color don't see gender don't see because you don't have to whereas yes. if you are non-white um non-male <laughs> non-binary <laughs> um you know with different sexuality you do see it when I stand in a room as a woman in a room full of men I can tell you I feel very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and I know when there's only a few women around and I got used to that you know working in business or as a speaker or when I go to these big technology events but it still feels uncomfortable and like, I love that you were able to stand in a room full of women and feel completely comfortable yes but the yeah. reality is for many of us, when we're the odd one out, and obviously I'm a white woman, so it's, you know, I don't have um, as many of the biases as my sisters in women in CX who are more diverse, you know? You make a brilliant point, Glenn. It's when you don't experience it directly, you don't know. So You're absolutely I, right. It, that that point about I don't look for it, it I, I don't know if that, that's, those are the exact words you use, but you're right. Mm. If I'd have been in a uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, disabled people's conference, you know, people, everyone in the room was in wheelchairs, you know, uh, again, unless you're in an environment like that, it comes back to this point about empathy. You see, I, I, I like to think I'm empathetic, but I think I am to a degree, but unless you, as many customer experience professionals will say, put yourself in, those people's shoes your and see it through their eyes can you truly understand what it feels like and, to be there? and i personally don't think so so i i challenge empathy as a concept even in customer service and customer experience i think it's a a, a laudable target to aim for um, but i think compassion is a way yes. better definition yes, than I empathy agree. because I, I cannot know what it feels like to be you i cannot That's know right. what it feels like to be a man walking around in this world as a male sounds like it'd be really fun but hey i don't i will never get to know what that feels like <laughs> <laughs> like um for um i don't know i never know what it feels like to walk around this brand like I, I cannot empathize for that but i can have compassion and see yes and appreciate what someone else is going through that's different to me and i agree with you you see because that's part of the misunderstanding when having about women in cx all women sorry all people have vulnerabilities in some way i mean that people find it hard to believe that i am a massive introvert um but i am you know and actually i, I find conferences really difficult because i have to talk to people and, and and a lot of people what do you mean that's what you do all the time but actually it's unnatural for me you know being on a stage is ian acting you know mm -hmm. but when i come off the stage i want to hide in a corner and not have anyone talk to me now some people look at me as like well, what do you mean that's just weird so no it isn't you know unless you understand what it's like to be to, to feel that way you, you can't understand it um and you know, I have, um, so I'll be very transparent um, with you on this podcast because, you know, it's the only way I can be. I have Asperger's. Um, Do now, you? Um, I keep sharing that. I, I, does it matter? No. It, it, is it a label to a degree? Yes, it is. But that's why it explains a lot about why I do what I do and how I do what I do. But because... 
you know, I, I just have to just focus on doing what makes me feel okay. And there are so many things that make me feel very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and that's maybe why being in that room a few weeks ago, I felt completely comfortable because I was actually as close to being like that community mm. as I could be because I was in a room with people who I knew weren't going to judge me, weren't mm. going to look at what mm. I was wearing or, you know, think, you know, is, is he an alpha male or is it, people weren't looking at me like that. And so that's probably why I felt very relaxed in that environment. Um, but, you know, that this, again, is why I think I, I completely agree with you. Compassion is where we need to get to, but it's why it's so critical. But unfortunately, it, it is so lacking in so many parts of our lives, whether it's business or, or outside. Yeah. And, and I guess like the example you started this conversation with of so many guys that get their nicks in a twist about women in CX even existing and questioning why it needs to be here without having any understanding of what it's like to live and work as a woman in business like yeah, that's right. <laughs> just automatically that's right. write it off because i know there's one guy that goes around saying that we defy our, the objective of our community by being a gendered community <laughs> by not including men in a women's safe space that means therefore that we're being sexist and i think that's just ridiculous um it's, and i will happily defend again, <laughs> why safe spaces for women only of, are needed it, it's a, a blatant lack of understanding you know and but but we'll, we'll always have that you know we will always live in a world where people will judge others mm -hmm. but but that i think contradicts that person's argument and it makes your that's community not, even yeah. more important yeah and just and it just but i think it just is the example of why communities like this do need to exist because of that complete lack of understanding That's right. of uh, other people's experience um, and providing psychological safety where yes. women experience um, sexism and gender-related violence, like not necessarily saying we talk about that kind of thing all the time in the community, but within... Um, yeah. you know with you know sexism is in like sexual harassment assault like these things don't typically happen to guys in the workplace the way no, that they no, do no. To I'm not saying that they don't um and and the societal conditioning that women experience yeah. because of our gender so we've got yes. to be pretty and likable and smile all the time and everyone has to think you're this wonderful yeah. goddess or you're, no, I know. and I you know. have to be like look this certain way and act this certain way and women's power is not the same as male power right in yeah. in in how we're evaluated for our work yes. so we have to work that much harder and yeah. even the ones of us with pretty privilege that can be a negative because then you're assumed because you, you're successful because the way you look not because of yeah. who you are and yeah. if you don't have those looks it's going to be even harder for you to Yes. become successful and, and that isn't yes. it doesn't happen to guys and I, yeah. I can't wait for the day where women's communities are not needed because that means that we'll live in a world where this shit does I, not happen I'm and we will you. have reached equality and i cannot wait for that day when we don't need women's organizations <laughs> i don't, I don't <laughs> think it's ever gonna happen we're, we're a very very long way <laughs> off but do you know what i really appreciate you having that conversation with me that I don't think many men would dare to. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but I just wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about Wix. We're the world's first online membership community for women in customer experience. Our mission is clear, and that's to unleash the power of women to lead the future of human-centered business. Working in CX can feel lonely at times. We're often single-handedly trying to change the way organizations think and behave about customers. On our paid platform, you can discover a vibrant tribe of fellow female professionals, find support from knowledgeable peers, learn best practices from experts and practitioners, and be inspired to up your game through leading edge CX and EX thinking. If you feel like you aren't making enough progress with your CX objectives, are unsure about what your next move looks like, or are struggling to achieve your career ambitions, you're not alone. To learn more about membership, see how women are progressing personally and professionally with the support of the number one community in CX, you can apply to join us today by visiting www.wix.com.
womenincx.community forward slash membership. I really hope I get to see you there soon. I think but what, our relationship. But again, but that's. You, you well, see, no, because it, I think I, they, they worry. Are they going to say the wrong thing? And that's not because they're coming from a bad place. But the fear around yeah. talking about sexism, racism, anything like that. A lot of the reasons why the conversations don't happen is because people are scared. Do you know, but, do you know what part of the problem is? We, we and when you just think of global politics right now, let's let's not get into a political conversation, but that the world has become so divisive. So it's either you're on one side or the other. Everything is an argument, you know, but actually why? It, you know, we, we can all have different perspectives and different opinions, but it, it, it's about healthy conversation and healthy debate and seeing other people's perspectives. It, it's one of the things that defines customer experience as a discipline, that there's no right or wrong. There's just interpretation. You know, there's an interpretation of a scenario and you you need to understand that scenario to be, to understand how best to deal with it. And I, mm -hmm. I think we need to try and find a way of becoming less hostile as a as a global community in business and outside of business and just start working together to solve problems not to create them i, I know it's a bit of a, a nirvana statement but that that's what i would love the world to become yeah and i'm a pragmatist so i guess my reality <laughs> um i need to, to to present reality as it is um is is more of a powerful drive for me think yes. how do we move from where we are today necessarily then how do we get to oh, I agree. Here? I agree. but for me my experience of the cx industry is that it is highly political and the, the ultimate issue i think is that people can't hold two ideas in their mind at the same time yeah. that two things can be true that it's not either or it's not black or white there's <laughs> this gray area that you can still find yes um answers in like so the, the least successful CX professionals I encounter are the ones that are fighting against organizations for something they see as the answer. Yes. And trying to force fit what they've learned as a framework into an organization yep. that's either not ready for it, can't see the value of it, yep. is never going to buy into it. And then they end up into as individuals feeling like they're failures. And that's not their fault, right? I, I, I um, but by believing that there is only one way to do things or that like cx is this thing we have to get people to understand rather than going i've got a skill set here that can help release more value Absolutely. for people to match this organizational goals how do i do that and for me that is a shift that we need to see in the world 100%. i've said for years customer experience is a science but it's not an exact science you know, and, it, and it's our ability to interpret how to apply it to whatever situation we face it is the, the real skill set of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, in 2024, you heard this at conference, but um, we're going to be launching practical magic courses for women. And it's not going to be a CX course that already mm. exists. We're focusing on like how do you build confidence and resilience? How do you understand and navigate environments yeah. um, that can quite often be hostile in the workspace? How do you um, develop your impact and influencing skills to be able to um, yeah. convey information? Actually, how do you become a better project manager so you can show that yes. there's a business case? How do yeah. you show um, rather than this like utopian vision for customer experience that might take five years to get to? How do we also go and in this year one, here's where we're going to focus and this is the value that we can demonstrate rather than it being like one thing or the other. So I'm so well, excited I think it's brilliant, to do Claire. something it's about it. Because what, what you're describing are the historically unwritten scope competencies of this discipline. You know, I you, know. <laughs> you can't do it without those things, yeah. but, but it, it's unfortunately a lot of those things come under the banner of soft skills you know which is so such an awful expression because they are anything but but our ability to influence our ability to 
build self-awareness and confidence. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I've said to you for a long time that courage, persistence, sheer bloody mindedness, you know, mm. we, we need to have that in spades. And uh, uh, the, the best. But also commercial awareness, financial That's right. acumen, That's right. all the bits that aren't part of these competencies as they're seeing today. And what a way of spilling the tea, <laughs> yeah. being like super honest. Like my, what really worries me is this obsession with data metrics and ROI having become the, the uber competency and the place where most CX investment is now made. But that's, um, that, that is that there's a connection between what you are introducing and why ROI is the thing that everyone focuses on. Well, look, hang on a second. Sorry. Just to, just to check that I'm, I'm not, I'm not questioning whether ROI is important. It's everything, but not the ROI of, customer experience as a thing in its own yeah lane no, I, no like I agree that's, with you. that's the thing that the, everyone's trying to prove the or, problem or spending. There is very few people working within the world of cx whether they be practitioners or people just with some kind of responsibility in cx i, I think in general have done an extremely bad job of explaining influencing um guiding leadership teams to understand what the outcome needs to be so i i think that the typical default for a business leader is show me the money you know and so we're, we're just blindly trying to show them a number that we're not quite sure where the number's coming from what we have not done a brilliant job at is really articulating to leaders how you get to those numbers um, and where that benefit truly comes from, how long it takes to get there, what needs to happen for us to sustain the focus on it. You know, uh, we haven't taken them on that journey typically. And so many leaders uh, come to the conclusion that this doesn't work um well it does work um but it, it's I, I think that lack of cohesive influencing driven by authority that it's just not happening in general i have a different viewpoint <laughs> as um, I, don't, I don't disagree with what you said however i think measurement frameworks like mps have become a replacement for customer experience and roi is being promised to be attached to things like net promoter score which is unfounded so i think there is a lot of blame is the wrong word but um fault in survey-based yes. customer experience programs being sold as a panacea to revenue because yeah. they're not the important thing for me and that you know where I spent my career in business is actually taking action and improving things for 100%. customers or delivering more value for humans and that's where the biggest commercial return is we are but you're not going to see that as an outcome metric in mps you're going to see that in um, research and understanding what needs to change stakeholder engagement and Absolutely. being able to link okay how do we how do we understand the business strategy we're in, and we're in complete that? agreement actually okay we're just it, 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 phrasing it in different it, ways well it's what you're <laughs> and it you're doesn't have to be a five years time it can be now no, no, no. but you're bringing up a um quite rightly a very specific cause of the problem mm. but you know those working in cx need to have the confidence the courage to explain why we shouldn't be using nps in that way rather than just blindly carry on doing it. Uh, I had a conversation with a client that I've worked with for a few years yesterday um, who's had a big restructure and change of leadership. And um, this new guy that's come in said, you know, why every year do we run the same NPS survey? You know, but but and he's right because it's wrong. What they're doing is fundamentally wrong. But you've got to have that that strength in and that courage of your convictions to stand up to leadership not not because you're being arrogant or you know aggressive but because you understand 
what is required to become sustainably customer centric and deliver value for the customer, for the employee, for the organization. And if that means actually telling the organization that what we're doing isn't going to achieve that, that's what you've got to have the, the courage to be able to do. But I don't see enough of practitioners who are prepared to do that. Do you think, Ian, that customer experience in in its current state, as in what we define it to be now, is on the road to extinction? Because um, really what we're talking about, the value being in in the future is human experience right you've said that word so many times now yeah. not saying it's about changing the term but um, has it become so myopic and i'm i'm asked the question a lot and my answer will always be no it, it, it no. will never go extinct in my opinion. i don't have to change my t-shirt then you don't no, have to change you your side in the background and, and it's just, <laughs> and the, the simple principle is because if you just focus on customer experience for a second mm. Customer experience has always existed. It always will exist. Yeah. Okay. That, that is just a reality. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. So Customers will having experiences. Employee yeah. experience. It's yeah. always existed. It always yeah. will do. Um, it, it's less about CX becoming extinct and more about the way we adopt an approach to CX evolving. So we can't just focus on CX alone going forward. What we've got to understand is that harmonization of how the customer experience and employee experience comes together to deliver the value that the organization, its customers, its employees and its shareholders need. You know, that, that I think for, for so long and to a degree still to this day, all organizations really care about is the shareholder. You know, if we're being blunt, okay, do they really care about the customer? You know, the majority still don't. It's about financial return. Do they care about the employee? The majority don't really care about the employee. They want to know how much money are we going to make? Um, for, for us to be able to sustain organizations in the future, just focusing on shareholder return in the short term, for me, is not a sustainable strategy anymore. Um, in a world where we are seeing more and more disruption, where technology is evolving faster than ever before, and will only get faster and faster and faster, we cannot just chase numbers blindly in the short term. We have got to understand how we can sustain an organization in the long term because that's where the real value will come from. And the only way we can deliver that is by truly understanding where the value comes from in itself. And that value is not just from the product or service that an organization sells. It, it comes from the ecosystem that it is sold within, an ecosystem that makes up the experience that the customer has in buying it, in using it, in rebuying it, as well as the ecosystem of people who design how they interact with the product and service, whether that be through a human directly or through technology. So um, it, it, what we do will never become extinct. I will argue it will become ever more important, but we've got to become more sophisticated in piecing the pieces of the puzzle together making notes here because i have so much to say in response to this <laughs> this podcast is going to be like four hours long if I'm careful. so i think we're gonna to have to agree to do a part two okay um, so so i think i think for me the extinction isn't going to be of customer experiences and customers and employees and humans will continue to have experiences i agree with that but i think what's going to become extinct is this framework approach to the competencies as we've um, discussed today so tell me tell me why pardon tell me why you think that why because i think i think it's out it's become so outdated because of the way businesses and customers and technology now operates and that the times have changed so much that those competencies aren't enough and for example 
like it means you have to become a customer centric organization for it to even work right and the reality is there are product centric organizations that can be market oriented and still do an absolutely amazing job and deliver great experiences but they're never going to become customer centric because that's not the nature of them you know being more market or becoming more market oriented is better than customer centric for many and that journey that I feel people coming into this industry or like learning about it think that the end goal is to turn a company customer centric and if you don't achieve that you've failed and quite often they might be the only person trying to change culture and you know do all of this stuff which is is unrealistic when like the, the 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 technological aspect for example like there's no competency around that is there like <laughs> how do we or experience design is like a really small percentage but actually that's the capability organizations so, need the most i think what's important is not to not and it's to, not either or otherwise i'd be breaking my well, own no and i'm, not, own I'm not suggesting that you are <laughs> saying me. this but i think unfortunately we we need to distinguish the difference between having structure and how granular our understanding of that structure needs to be um right now there are competencies that have been defined by the cxpa but there are also competencies that have been defined by forrester that have been defined by Bain, that have been defined by a number of different organizations, that the, the articulation in most cases is slightly different, but they're broadly along the same lines, but there are differences between them all. Um, the, the, the problem comes back to what I said about customer experience not being an exact science. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I am a massive advocate of simplicity in the way that we think about this too many are radically overcomplicating their approach to customer back to being political again isn't it the radical you know, <laughs> it's like the right wing cxs the left wing <laughs> complex and and the thing is you, you cannot overcomplicate this because as you rightly say every organization is different every industry is different every um geography is different and so what different parts of the world different markets different sectors focus on will depend you know Absolutely. And, and, and because it depends i think for us as practitioners whether it be in the human experience customer experience employee experience whatever you want to say call it our strength is in interpreting what is the right thing to do for that organization in the situation that it's in to enable it to deliver value and if that value will come from being customer centric because it has to be and it has to be because differentiation in that market being differentiating on the product or service isn't going to be enough it has to be on the whole experience then that is right for that situation if it's a scenario where actually it's a very limited marketplace and you've got a very innovative product that actually you can differentiate on that then again you do what's right for that situation but i agree with you there is no one size fits all you know there can't be and and that's why the best practitioners are the ones that can adapt to each situation as they see yeah. it yeah yeah i know adrian swinsco his metaphor always sticks out to me it's like picking up this CX hammer and thinking everything's a nail and trying to it's one of the reasons my my framework is so ridiculously simple because it has to be but because if you make anything more complicated than that mm. it, it becomes the hammer and nail <laughs> and, it, and it is not unfortunately we've run out of time and we didn't even get through half the questions but i've really enjoyed this debate <laughs> well, Can well, we should we agree to do a, part a phase two, two? Part yeah two. part two yeah because like now i'm i'm feeling all inspired and thinking about the wix practical magic course that actually like oh, wix competencies I, I why can't i have our own idea. why can't we yeah. have our own competencies and <laughs> i get i get honestly get so frustrated last thing i'll say on the kind of like cx community and this is probably like broader linkedin space is like 
I get sick of people that are just like complacent, complaining yes. about, oh, this guy over here or this group over here or it's this fault or it's that fault. I definitely don't want to participate in that. Obviously, this safe space has been great to be able to share some of my points of view and opinion. The thing, the important thing is if, if you don't like it, go and find your work own on something totally and easy. share it back with the world if there's a totally better way. Easy rather than just moaning about it or pointing fingers Absolutely. at people. Do, do you know, the, the thing is, Claire, I would say... So I'm going to come up with a better way. My final thought to you is, uh, I think part of the problem is thinking about this as competencies. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it would be fascinating to know what the, the women in CX model was. Maybe, I think yeah. but we're not saying CX competencies, so are we saying Wix competencies? So, so for are, women in the, CX, the what are the capabilities? The approach, yeah. I'm going you know? to come up with it and I'm going to come and share it back with you in this part two. Amazing. Amazing. Um, but as as this is the end of 2023 <laughs> and the show will be airing in December, um, my final question is, what's one prediction then that you have for 2024? And we can come back in 2024 and continue this very healthy debate. So uh, I will give you a prediction and I'm going to finish with a quote. That's okay. okay. Um, my, my prediction is that we will become even more obsessed with technology. <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately, not always for the right reason. So that the AI bandwagon is, is going to slow down. It is going to speed up. And I think we're going to have to work even harder to ensure it's not being used for the wrong reason. Um, that That is my prediction for 2024. Um so, so actually, that our community is going to have to to manage that very um, openly mm -hmm. to ensure it doesn't damage experiences. So, so that that is a, a prediction for twenty twenty four. To to give you a closing quote, which I said I would do, um, because I think it wraps all of this quite nicely. The other prediction I have for 2024 is it's not the first time i've said this but because of everything that's going on in the world i think the greater the ability for people and organizations to demonstrate that people can trust them mm -hmm. the better mm -hmm. i think we have lost so much trust over the last few years you know in the uk alone we've had brexit we've had the pandemic we've got a global cost of living crisis all of those things have almost eroded trust completely. Um, and that has a knock-on effect to every organization that you interact with. Who do we believe? You know, can we believe the organization? Can we believe the media? I, I think it's almost gone and we've got to find a way of bringing it back. And I had a brilliant conversation with a lady yesterday um, who I will connect you with claire because okay. she'd be a brilliant yes. addition to the wix community um who um said to me that the most important thing for her in 2024 is authenticity uh, and this is authenticity in individuals but also from entire organizations and the quote so it's not mine this is a quote from a brilliant lady called sylvia Beraldo. she said authenticity is the currency of trust in any relationship. And I love that quote. Um, I, I, and I think it, we need to do what we can to demonstrate what authenticity really is. You know that that's what I try to do. I know that's what you try to do. One of our core values at and Women I in CX. <laughs> the, the more your community and others demonstrate authenticity in practice the more we can influence others to do the same love that what a great note to end on so we talked about so much <laughs> I, <laughs> I i really enjoyed uh, having the safe space to be able to intellectually challenge one another around some of these thoughts it's been really really fun can't wait for the next installment and yeah just i think demonstrating what it's like to be in a psychologically safe space to talk about those Absolutely. kinds of things um Absolutely. it was a joy so um thank you ian for joining us on the inspiring women in tx podcast always a pleasure claire thank <laughs> you for having me and thank you to everyone who listened wherever you are we'll be back for part two soon um see you next time bye <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the episode and you don't already, please, please, please do drop us a like and subscribe to our channel. The bigger the following, the bigger the impact we can create on our mission to amplify the voices of women working in CX and technology. Well, that's all for now. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to the incredibly inspiring Andrina Leanne, a lived experience speaker about why empathy might not be the answer we're looking for. Recognizing our own privilege and the concept of intersectionality. See you all very soon.